Welcome back to another episode of Crack On with me, Marae Doyle. This is your standard PSA to remind you to keep sharing the podcast if you're enjoying it. This week's guest is singer and activist Erica Cody. Erica's career has only gone from strength to strength since starting singing professionally at the age of 15. And after the success of her EP Leoness in 2019, I, along with many others, cannot wait to see what she does next. This chat was wonderful, as is Erica. I didn't want to let her go at the end of all the questions. She is so much fun and I laughed the whole way through. I hope you all enjoy. So an official welcome to the podcast, Erica Cody. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, Marais. So, I mean, we kind of had a little catch up uh, before this, but how are you? (laughs) I am great. Surprisingly, I am great. Now, listen, tomorrow could be a totally different day, but today I'm great. So I'm laughing it up. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to take the good. I mean, it's like you can have a good hour and let's just milk that hour. (laughs) you know you have to take these take them as they come I know I know yeah I think as we were saying like hope is on the horizon and you're gonna play your first gig next week so wait how does that work tell me is there's gonna be a virtual audience or how is it happening so it's basically just gonna be cast and crew um, and by cast I mean like myself and the musicians um so yeah it's like a really limited crew there'll be no crowds the crew obviously be my crowd which is mad because I like singing to loads and loads of people that I don't know yeah um but you know it's an adjustment I think this year was all about adjusting and just kind of taking whatever opportunities we could to make something positive so this is like a massive positive it's I was literally only thinking the other day and I was like wow it's literally been like a year and a half since I've done a show a live show Oh my with my god. full band with everyone yeah and it'll be like oh my god it'll be two years since I released my debut EP and I'm like where is that time gone like I thought the two years between when I re- released Leoness to now I thought they'd be two like I thought so much would have happened in those two years because we were only really starting to set sail yeah and then Corona happened so but I feel like you're still just like I don't know. I think you're still just <laughs> the only way is up, girl, you know? <laughs> well, look, the only way is up. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think, you know, I go into every year with without any expectations um, because I think when I give myself expectations or goals to me that I'm setting myself up for failure if they don't happen. So I think I just go into every year with an open mind, the same kind of graft, hard work. And obviously, you know, I'll jot down on my phone and I'm all about manifestation and, you know, making things happen and, you know, not just settling for, you know, what I could read in a tarot card and actually just trying to make things work. Yes. Um, so I think when you do things like that, you can only kind of put yourself on an upwards trajectory. So that's what yeah. we just keep on keeping on. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, that's what the podcast is about, you know. Absolutely. So um, do you have an example that you want to share with me today of a time in your life where you had to crack on, you know, find the good in a hard situation? Absolutely, geez, there was one. Um, there's, I've, had, I've had my fair share of shitty situations like any other human being. Um, I think definitely my lowest lows were like last summer. Um, 
Yeah, and I think when you start feeling ways that you haven't felt before, God, not to get so deep in the first five oh, minutes, but yeah, deep. We go you know, there. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah, for me. <laughs> yeah, for me, like I'd always suffered with anxiety from my late teens, I think. Um, and it wasn't I'd say it was, you know, like your usual kind of anxious feelings that, you know, we all kind of get, whether it's starting something new or just being in scenarios that were not that that don't really nourish us, that make us feel anxious. Um, so I kind of, I'd always had those feelings, I suppose. And then as I started going through more things as I got older, I noticed they started to kind of just start getting a little bit worse. Um, so, you know, I had to kind of find myself on a path to make it better, um, which was, you know, a lot of self-care, a lot of wellness, um, a lot of meditating, a lot of just doing things that make me feel good without, you know, trying to do it to please someone else because I feel like I've always been quite a people pleaser trying to just fit in um because you know look that's just life we all kind of want to fit in in areas that we want to be in and we want to be accepted for who we are um but I think my lowest lows were definitely last summer um I started feeling ways that I had never felt before and I speak so candidly about it now because I think it really helped when, when I actually came out the other end of it, I was like, oh my God, if only I had someone who I knew was in a, si a similar position that I was in mentally, and I was told that they were going to be out of it and it will be fine. Mm. Um, it would have helped me tenfold. And like, luckily I just, I have a really good support system and stuff around me. Like with my boyfriend, my friends, my family, um, who, co who consistently told me, you know, that things do get better and things don't last forever. And mm -hmm. but I think if you actually had that person who could totally relate. Um, Who's been through it. Feeling, yeah. 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 I think that's why I just kind of, I, I talk about it so openly now because not only is mental health such a huge conversation and such an important one, um, we all go through it at some stage, you know, um, you can I know. Kind of, yeah. as, a, as a spectrum, I suppose. Um, people feel it in different ways you know mental health isn't just like the solutions for aren't like one size fits all for me it was going to like intensive uh counseling and you know therapy and different kinds of therapy and just trying to find the thing that worked for me and got me out of a rut which it did um so yeah I think when you create the other side you just kind of you kind of hold yourself up to nearly a higher regard because you're like, Jesus, you don't actually realize how tough it is to go through it, but you, you kind of end up a bit, a little bit stronger, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it can only make you stronger. So, you know, but my mom always telling me that she was like, whatever doesn't kill you can only make you stronger. So, and she had, she battled cancer and stuff. So I was like, okay, if she can get through anything. If she can get through that, I can get through anything, you know? Um, oh, no. So I think I just always kind of had that mentality I'm quite a competitive person so I'd be a bit competitive with myself sometimes and in that sense I was like I'm not letting this defeat me you know of I was course, like yeah. get the better of me um even though I was really depressed um it was something that I kind of had to reassure myself and I didn't want to be reassured well done because that's the hardest part it I, I yeah. you know it does kind of have to start unfortunately kind of with yourself because yeah. unless you want to help yourself then there can be so many people around you you know and it's just not going to make a difference absolutely like it has to start with you like you have to want to get better like I didn't want to wake up 
every day and not want to get out of bed and cry myself from morning till night you know there that's not it, it's it was a totally different side of me that I hadn't had to sit with and deal with especially being in the pandemic I couldn't be around anyone except for my boyfriend that lives with me so yeah it was a, it was a challenge but you know I'm I'm grateful that um these things happen because it, it kind of it, it shows your growth as a human being but it also it's not something that is just like cured do you know what I mean it's something that you learn to live with um and I love the new version of me because uh, I have to be more careful with myself and what I you know what I consume and who I surround myself with so my circle's very very small um, I, I'm very careful with what I consume. If something's not nourishing me in the right way, I either block it or I just don't engage. Um, yeah, and just kind of protecting my peace. That's like, that's been my mantra for the last year is just protect your peace. Love Everybody it. has opinions. You can't please everyone. Do what makes you happy. You create your own happiness. So just protect your peace. It's the, it's the only thing that we all have as people that... Um, that keeps us sane. Like, I think everyone's peace keeps them sane. You know, that's the mm. one thing we hold on to. So it's just really important to protect. Um, and yeah, that's like, I literally got a tattooed on me last summer because I was like, that is my thing. Oh. Everybody should do it. I love that so much. And can I ask, was there, because sometimes there isn't, you know, and it's, it's sometimes stuff like anxiety and depression just hits you like a ton of bricks and there's yeah. no not necessarily a trigger yeah was there something do you think it was the pandemic that triggered you feeling that way last summer or was um, there something in particular it was a one scenario in particular that blew up but it was it definitely triggered PTSD in me that I didn't realize I had so then I figured out that I had PTSD from you know childhood traumas of you know racism and stuff like that and just I think when you're a young mixed race girl from Dublin um you kind of I think I, I'd say I do have trust issues and I got those trust trust issues from things not being dealt with or people being held accountable so for me that's a really triggering thing um when I know some because I'm I'm the kind of person who always kind of wants to do the right thing and always wants to spread the message to do the right thing and I think in the climate that we're in now, so many people have so many different opinions. Everyone's on their phone. Everyone has so much time to spew their opinions. Whereas if we were all open and the country was open and the world was open and we weren't in a pandemic, it would be the total opposite. Everyone would just be getting on with their lives. But I think the more you kind of end up in the public eye in a way, it's like so many people feel like they have such an entitlement to who you are as a person and they think they know you, who you are as a person and that's the total opposite because what we see on Instagram is you know not really the reality I suppose um, and I think the one thing I've always tried to do is be as real as possible but you know it's I feel like I've just gone on a tangent but you know it's no I'm it, loving it <laughs> it's, an, it's an accumulation of things basically um, and it I, my PTSD was severely triggered, not only being um, a woman, but being a woman of colour and, you know, feeling like, you know, the world. I just kind of got to a point that it was like I was kind of pushed into a corner and everything I did was wrong. And 
nobody wanted to hear me out after shouting Black Lives Matter. And then it was just kind of like, okay, well, what's it all for? Because I'm just, I just have these trust issues, you know? It's, nothing's changing. Like, it's easy to say Black Lives Matter, but when you when you do one thing, it's completely different. Um, so I don't know why people can't just put two and two together to really understand, because it's one thing having it in your Twitter bio, you know, BLM. Mm. And then mm-hmm. it's one thing to actually listen and hold people accountable. So for me, that was kind of what triggers everything. Now, that's, it comes with a lot more stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. It's not just that one scenario, but it's a lot of things that build up over your life that you block out, that you don't want to deal with because you don't think you need to deal with them, but you're actually suppressing them so far down to the point that it can take one incident to trigger it. And that's what happened with me. So, you know, I think no matter who you are or what you do, you should always try and treat people with compassion and not, you know, catch people off guard that you don't know and things like that. And just be respectful. It really costs nothing to be kind. And, you know, it costs nothing to be anti-racist as well. So I don't, it blows my mind just as an empathetic person, why people can't just show empathy back, but Mm -hmm. everyone's different as we were saying, you know, so it takes just, you know, just treat people like how you want to be treated. That's how I grew up. It's just not that hard. It's really not that hard. And I think people overcomplicate these things that are very easy because they want them to be hard because we're living in difficult times. So now I feel like a lot of people think that things have to be difficult for for everyone, which isn't the case because everyone is fighting their own battle. You know, like, I don't know what you've been through. Like, you don't know what I've been through. I don't know what the next person walking down the street has been through. So, like, why is it up to me to make that person feel small? Mm. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't I don't know their their story. They could be really suffering on the outside, on the inside and not show it on the outside. I've been there so many times. I've been on shoots where I felt so anxious and so depressed. And I've just had to slap on a smile just to get it over and done with. And probably, and also because, like, you know, sometimes in those situations as well, you slap on a a smile on your face because you don't want to be the rude person who was like, yeah, it's. And especially being a woman, like, you know, at Mirage, I'm sure it's like, you just want to be polite because you're Mm -hmm. not really in the humor for, you know, just um, being assertive. Mm -hmm. Because when you're assertive, you know, apparently you're rude. Oh, I know. You can't, you honestly can't be like a woman with a vision because you're just like bossy then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't work with her. She's too difficult. It's like, why is she too difficult? No, it's like, she's not difficult. She knows what she wants. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's not, it's like if the shoe was on the other foot, it'd be be insane. And that's, that's, you know, so prevalent and, you know, music and stuff like that as well. Um, yeah, it's like I've literally been in a room with people who've like literally taken credit for something that I've produced. And it's like, no, I've actually, yeah, I've just told you what to put on the track. You know what I mean? Mm, like, it's not. No, just, that, it's like, um, that's why, Erica, you should get into stand up like me because you only. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Oh my God. <laughs> I would bomb all the time. Oh my God. No, every, I, I'm like a firm believer that everyone has like a good five minutes in them anyway. <laughs> Oh my God, I don't know how you do it. But you only have to rely on yourself. It's like the best thing in the world. Like I don't need anyone to, and that's really bad as well because I can then end up being like, 
when I'm in situations where I am relying on other people, like when I started doing one hour shows, um, my fiance, Aaron, is the only person that I let produce like the sound and everything because I'm like, he will understand that like, the song needs to start at this time and then the sound clip needs to go at this time. And I'm not being rude. I'm being just direct. And I don't need to sugarcoat anything because I'm fucking stressed because I'm about to get on stage for an hour. (laughs) Yes, that's like, I totally hear you on that. Like, I remember like even doing gigs and stuff and I'm not saying all sound engineers, but a a good (laughs) And You know, I'd ask for one thing and then they pretend like they were listening. They'd be like, yeah, that's grand. And then they just wouldn't do what I ask if I'm asking for like more reverb or to turn my mic up or I know where I want my sounds to be. They're like, yeah, no bother. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I know you haven't done it. (laughs) Like I'm not stupid. I know what I like. Have you watched the Billie Eilish documentary? I have. Because I think she's Amazing. a great example of that. Absolutely. Where she's just like, gets on with it, you know? Oh, she's such a boss. She's yeah, I know. Yeah, but actually, I was going to say, so you, are you 25? I'll be 20. Well, I'm, twi- I'm still technically 23 because we entered the pa- I entered the pandemic as a 23-year-old. <laughs> and I'm coming out as a 23-year-old. Okay, But fair. technically, if you were to look at my birth cert, yeah, I'm going to be 25 in July. Oh, you're going to be 25 this year. Okay, so in you're July, only yeah. 24. Like, how are you so wise? Like, it's so good that you're already <laughs> practicing protecting your peace. I feel like I it's taken me. I mean, I'll be 28 this summer, but I um, I'm still. God, learning. you don't look 28. I'm still all. learning. Do I look like a little baby? Yeah, I look like a little baby. <laughs> I'll be 23 too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all gonna be 23. We're gonna. Um. Be 23. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like I refuse to count. Do you know what's annoying though? Is like. I don't mind the extra year. I don't even mind losing out a year of gigs. I'm just pissed off the year I've lost of holidays. Like that's what's killed me. Yeah, it's a lot. Like <laughs> I really miss just being in a field with like 80,000 people that I don't know. Seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I really miss that. Um, I really took that for granted because I used to hate doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. I, I am just going to say yes to everything. And having to wear wellies. And I was like, no, like, this is not me. I'm too bougie for this. Like, no, put me in a really fancy yurt with really, he- like, heated mattresses. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now I'm like, oh, my God, literally slap me in a tent in the middle of a field with 80,000 people I don't know. Yeah, and we can all cough on each other again. Those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the days. Spread germs on each other. So to go back to protecting your peace, tell yeah. me like a few things. So you said meditation. Is that one of mm-hmm. the things you do? Yes, that is one of the things I do. Um, kind of fell off my meditation wagon because um, I think when you get so, um, when you co- say you come out of a rut, and then you're like, okay, I'm, I, you feel like yourself again. You start feeling like yourself again. You're getting your groove back, your bounce back. Then it's like, Okay, like I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh my well. god, I can relate to that. Like, yeah, and then you hit a slump again. Like I hit a slump the other day. Like I had like an anxiety attack, and I was just like, I need to start meditating, going back to therapy again. I need to stop. Just and I laugh now because I'm like, it's just something that has to be done consistently. Like, I, I I tend to just fall off and then go back on when I'm. When, when I'm, I'm at rock bottom, like basically. Shit, yeah. You know? So when I'm feeling great, then I'm just like, oh, things are great. Like, why? I don't want to rehatch all that shit and start, you know, crying to my therapist again. Like, no, I just want to be great. And then you forget that you're like, oh, like, this is why working I on yourself is consistent. You know, it has to be something you keep up consistently. 
and keep yourself in a good mind frame so you yeah. know i've yet to text my counselor like i'm getting there but i'm just, just gonna be one more week <laughs> until i go back and you know whatever but we're getting i know, there, you know it is process. funny though it's like we I was the exact same like I mean I'm I'm like that all the time I meditate every night before I go to yeah. bed and then some nights I'll be like oh I'll just watch an episode of Friends like I'll fall asleep watching something and the yeah. next day I am just like a nightmare that's like, that's why I can't do that yeah and luckily like my boyfriend got me an Apple watch for our anniversary the other day which I was not expecting at all and what I love about it is that it reminds me when to breathe well actually and I do it, it it tells you when you actually like really need it yeah like me I was having like a really heated conversation like me and my friend were just talking about this thing that happens and two of us were getting like really heated over because like, oh my god I can't believe that happens and then like literally I looked at my watch and it was like time to breathe and I was like you know me so well you know I'm me so well crazy but isn't it so annoying when it tells you to stand yeah I'm just like I'll stand when I want to like you're that's too much now too invasive yeah because oh. my I didn't I closed two other rings yesterday but not the standing <laughs> ring and I was literally going to the bathroom and I was like putting it back on just to be like is this oh standing God, enough for you? I know like I literally so I take my dogs out every morning for a walk that's one of the things I also do for my mental um, mm-hmm. and my well-being is walking Um, I was taking Bowie for a walk and what was I going to say oh my god sorry we got in the car and then we were like halfway down the road and I was like oh forgot my watch have to go back like oh no you have to I had to go back and get my watch (laughs) because I needed to know how long I was walking for what I was burning and how many steps I took I just wanted to know because I didn't care about all that stuff beforehand yeah to be honest it's not like I I do it religiously it's just because I'm so nosy and I want to know like I hate the thought of forgetting my watch and then like not knowing what I did of course it's like, like now that you know oh no you honestly like I got my Apple Watch like two years ago and it's like I mean it's the best thing ever but it's also like ruined my life like I'm obsessed <laughs> I'm like I can't cope I yeah I can't cope but um yeah sorry to answer your question it was <laughs> <laughs> I I do meditate not not like every day but maybe every second day um and I also do yoga so that yoga has been like oh my god my new best friend like I mm. adore yoga but that said I fell off the wagon for the last two weeks because I'd been like immersed in it five days a week every single morning on it like a car bonnet and then yeah things just started getting busy over the last two weeks and then I was like oh shit I forgot to do yoga mm-hmm. do you know so now I'm kind of like okay I need to get back on my yoga buzz now next week but I absolutely love it it's amazing really good for the head um it's a it's like an exercise I really enjoy because you have to be nice to yourself like I used to play competitive basketball like really competitively and like strength and conditioning training you know all that stuff I just wanted to play the game like all the essence that came with it I was just like oh I'm not enjoying this like it's kind of taking the fun out of it for me you know so with basketball yeah I love that I mean with basketball was it like mainly training and then you maybe only got to play like a few times a week or how was it oh no like it was intense like it was literally my life for from the age of 15 up like it was intense 
So like I was playing Super League basketball um, and to be honest, they were the best years of my life. Like I I don't regret a single moment playing basketball and the people that I've met and I still have friends for life that I've met in basketball. Um, yeah, it was just intense, you know? Like I remember I'd literally be going from gigs to training or from training to gigs. Like I was juggling wow. that much when I was in my late teens. So when I first started in BIM, um, I was 18 and I just started playing Super League and Super League training was three nights a week and then a game of the weekends and it could be anywhere in the country. So not only that, I was on a scholarship with DIT. So, cause obviously BIM is accredited through DIT. So I got my scholarship with DIT. So in my head, I was like, I'm getting the best of both worlds here. Like I'm mm. getting to get a degree in vocals, meet loads of really cool people um, who are like-minded like me. Cause it was the first time I was in a, in a place where everybody was a musician of some sort. Um, and it wasn't just like a weird thing that you did, you know, cause everyone was very academic in my secondary school. So I'm in BIM and then I'm like, oh my God, I get to play Super League basketball and I get to play college basketball and I get to sing and I get to gig and I get to get a degree in vocals. Like what the hell? Like that's such a sweet deal. But before that I'd considered going to America to like play on a college scholarship. And in my head, I was like, that's just not, it wasn't my dream. It wasn't something that I was really pushed to do. And I think it's for something like that, you have to be 100% committed and it has to be, you know, your life, you know, if you're on a full ride scholarship, you're in the gym 24 seven, I wouldn't have time to be doing music and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of inevitable that I wanted to stay here and study in BIM. And then, yeah, I got my degree through DIT. And I can't, what was our question again? Because I keep... Oh my God, I'm just like loving this. Like, tell me everything. I'm I don't so... even know what I asked. <laughs> I'm so bad. Honestly, I could talk with the country. I swear no, to... but this is actually, honestly, one of the reasons why I'm like so obsessed with following you on Instagram because I feel like you just have, like, you're just able to talk. And any interview I've ever seen with you, it, you're just like the perfect guest for this because you are not like shy about anything, which is ideal. Thank you. Thank I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> We were talking. We were talking about basketball and how competitive it was. Yeah. So sorry. I was yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Basketball yeah. too. And then that was on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I was training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then the game on the weekends, and then trying to fit in gigs and networking and all that kind of stuff in between for literally like three years. So I mean, what? Did, like, surely you just didn't have any time for like a social life, or did you? Oh, well, I always made time. So whether that was like going having a social life after a game or something like that. Like we had a great social life in basketball. Mm. Don't get me wrong. Like we win or lose your boots. Do you know what I mean? So we had a great time. Um, but in terms of like college and stuff, it was hard to socialize that way. Like a lot of my socialization would have came from just being in college mm -hmm. um, and then going to gigs here and there. But um. Yeah, it was. I was juggling a hell of a lot. Like I tore my, then I tore my ACL, and then that meant that I was out for a year. Um. So then I was like, okay, well, what do I do with all this time? I'm gonna have to go through really intense rehab. I have to learn how to do everything again, like hop, skip, jump, walk. Oh my everything. god! Yeah. So that was a real setback. Yeah, that is. So what age were you when you when that happened? Um, that was 2016, 2015. I think it might this have been, is not that long ago. Like it's not that long ago. Um, I think I would have been 18, 19. Oh my god, I actually can't remember. That means I'm old. That means I'm actually 25 if I can't. No, remember. no, no. You're 23 forever, remember? 
23 forever. Okay, well, let's stick with that. <laughs> yeah, so I tore my ACL, had to do really intense rehab for nine months, and then it's like nine months to a year to actually get back fit playing. And then I was like, well, look, I have nine months to a year here, to, and I can't play basketball. And I still have my music because I I kind of started in the industry here when I was like 15. That's when I started recording and stuff and then did my first um, support slot. And so I'd kind of like, and then obviously like I've been taking it serious from then. And then obviously I was in BIM and then I was like, okay, it's time to like really get out gigging and doing these things. So that's when like a lot of my big support slots came up then. That was like when I opened for En Vogue and stuff. And then it was uh, Ellie Ingram and then it was Mahalia. And then it was like, okay, it was just all just kind of started snowballing. Mm. So I told myself when I got injured that I'm going to spend the next year just working my ass off with music. Um, because that was uh, like, music was my therapy and basketball was my outlet. So I didn't have my outlet anymore. So I was like, okay. I need to kind of make it my outlet and my therapist, but cause that's why I started doing music in the first place is cause it was cathartic. You know, I started writing songs when I was 10. Um, and that kind of came from writing poetry cause my mom was sick at the time. So I was keeping journals and then it, it was just kind of like an evolution um, and it just started. So I was like, okay, let me just kind of regroup and just give this a really good go. And then it just kind of started snowballing. I released Addicted. Then we did the video for that. And then it was Good Intentions. And then we did the video for that. And then it was Leoness. And then it was like, okay, we're, I don't know. I think we've arrived in some Oh my God. You yeah. know, so. You have. <laughs> utilize my time well. Um, and I, I really wanted to take advantage of that time that I had because it was time that I never had because I was always juggling the two. Like it was literally just always basketball and always music. I could never, and I always knew music was going to be the thing. You know, it Did was you always be, know that? Oh my yeah. God, absolutely. Yeah, and it was like, but basketball was just such a, I just have such a deep love for the game. It was something that I couldn't just, you know, give up. And I think when I got injured, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's also like, without even going on to a second example, that's like a perfect example of cracking on. I mean, you took the yeah. the good, which yeah. is being able to focus on music. Yeah. But that is so interesting because I mean, like I'm really obsessed with Oprah and like I read a lot of those kind of books and she talks about how like, we all have a purpose in life, but your purpose isn't necessarily your passion. Yeah. Which is so interesting with basketball. It's like, that was your passion. But I feel like music is your purpose. Yeah, and it, it taught me so much, like the values like that I grew up with when playing basketball, you know, the discipline that came with it, the respect, you know, there's a lot of like respect for authority, you know, learning how to take criticism. Um, I was exposed to that at a really young age, you know, when you're playing basketball, it's like, well, you're getting coached so you can be at your best. Um, and then with music, obviously you have a vocal coach or whatever occasionally, but for me, when it came to music, they always kind of crossed over in some capacity. So for me, when it was performing, it was like, well, Eric, you're only as good as your last gig. Like, this is how the industry works. So, so you know, just, just be on your game, do your best. Now, sometimes things don't go as planned, which absolutely is the case. You know, I've gotten onto stages with like a frazzled voice because I just had, like my voice just couldn't do it. Um, 
what are they barking at? <laughs> oh, so nosy. Well, oh, like Aaron is locked in the front room with oh, my two dogs. So nosy. And Sorry. they will, like, they'll be sprayed with water if they come <laughs> in here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they always kind of, they always, you know, cross paths in some way. Like I've always brought things that I've learned in basketball into music, which is gas, whether that's values or just competitiveness with myself. Um, I've never come, obviously we play the comparison game a lot no matter what industry we're in and uh, we're only human but I think it was always more of a competitiveness with myself and wanting to always be better than my last yeah you know? that's what Beyonce says Beyonce's like I only compete with myself yeah well, like, that's kind of yeah game, you know because for me like we were told you're only as good as your last game you know, like I could have, I could have an unbelievable game. I could have 20 points, 15 assists and 20 rebounds. And like, it doesn't get much better than that. Do you know what I mean? But- I'll take your word for it. Cause I have no idea what any of that means. <laughs> yeah. And then I could have a game where I get nothing and nothing's just going into the net. And it's the same thing with life. <laughs> it's the same thing with music. Yeah. So luckily my dad's quite old school as well. So like, he was like, you're getting into the music industry. Like you want it grow a thick skin like just get ready this is what you want to do and if you're going to do it like I was just always taught to do things 110 you know don't half-ass anything just give it give it your everything give it your best shot you know Mm. I think for me especially like as I'm getting older I like I think we can all say that we've done things that we wish we could have done things to like a better standard whether it's like studying for a leave insert or um, just something that we were good at and we never fully pushed ourselves to be. Mm-hmm. I always found with basketball, I was as good as I could be. Um, and it was something I was very good at naturally. And I knew it was always going to be one of those things that eventually one day I'll tell my kids or my grandkids that like, oh, like your your grandma, like she was hot shit back in the day playing basketball. <laughs> but music was different because music is such a it's just something I hold so closely to me that it's not something that I just want to have been good at back in the heyday. You know, it's something that I want to be a part of me. I want it to be part of my legacy. I want it to be the thing I'm still doing by the time I have grandkids. You know, I want it to be my career and the thing, and to show them that, you know, like, look, I made it happen because I wanted to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, the fact that you said, you do everything with 110%. That shows because, I mean, it's been a pretty... Obviously, you started at 15, but how fast you've become a name is, like, pretty amazing, I think. You know, people know who you are. They know your songs already, you know? Um, I feel like for some people, that just takes, like, 20 years. (laughs) Well, look, it's been... I I recorded my first song when I was 15, and I'm 25 now. So, you know, it's pretty, when you think about it, it is kind of 10 years in the making. It's something mm-hmm. that I knew I always wanted to do and wanted to be. Um, so it's like, what I loved about my parents is that they didn't make a lot of money, but they always did things they loved. And I think that definitely rubbed off on me. Like, cause I think if I came from, you know, a very, um, a background where, you know, my parents were making lots of money and, you know, I got a lot of things handed to me and blah, blah, blah. I think it would be a totally different story. Um, so I think when you grow up seeing your parents, um, like I, I remember one time, actually, my mom queued up for a CD 
for me that she bought and it was she waited in the queue for three hours and she used her tips that she made that night just to get the cd so it's like things like that always stuck with me because i was like listen yeah we didn't have a lot of money but jesus like my parents were they loved what they did that's they always gave 110 and they still Um, don't do you know what i mean like they still don't like make a hell of a lot of money or whatever and you know times are tough for everyone but they're they're happy doing what they're doing they love what they do that is like just incredible um random question but do you remember what the cd was it was obviously it'll be a little bit whatever now but it was chris brown cd exclusive it was like literally when he was in his prime heyday like i was a huge chris brown fan um yeah and i remember i'll never forget it like she got me like the she literally got me the like the premium version of the album. I, I cherished that album like it was my own child. Like I <laughs> those days where we got albums and we'd be so excited to go to the shop to buy an album. I know, it's it was so exciting, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, oh, what's happened? You know, I'd still love the first album I actually bought in years was Sweetener by Ariana Grande. That was the first CD I bought in years. Yeah, I love that album. I mean, I'm wow. I'm like weirdly obsessed with Ariana Grande. Oh, you've literally just met your best friend. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, like I love her. Yeah, she. Okay, but what do you think about her most recent album, Positions? I'm obsessed. Oh okay. my god, it's exactly what I needed. Is it? I yeah, because I feel like she's wanted to do stuff like that for a really long time, and she just couldn't. She couldn't. Yeah. She wasn't allowed to express herself. Well, not that she wasn't allowed; she can do whatever she pleases. But I don't think it was the right time for her to want to express herself in that way. I suppose. Yeah, I completely agree. Body work is totally different. You know, like mm-hmm. my my latest project is totally different to my last project. I'm and so excited! Wow, I'm so okay, excited. So- when I mean we'll get to all of this I I feel like <laughs> there's like the structure has gone out the window all around his chat like I'm so sorry um no I love it but okay let's <laughs> we'll go back to your second example I mean I do you have a second example do you want to um yeah do you want to share more we uh, we talked a lot about cracking on basically and all that yeah, anyway we cracked on yeah, but do you have a second example that kind of comes to mind that you had to overcome? The only one that really stands out for me is the one that I mentioned before because that was just like, it was like a whole new world for me of emotion because um, I'm such an emotional person anyway that that for me was, ew, that was some heavy shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that took work. But other than that, just, you know, just life experience. Just, you know, friends come and go um you kind of you grow through what you go through like the things that have happened in my life I'm grateful for because with every negative comes a positive um and you do grow through what you go through I feel like I definitely came out a stronger person through all the things that I've been through so yeah I'd be sitting here bloody all day if I was to I know (laughs) (laughs) what I'd gone through but um yeah I'm just grateful I'm just really grateful I'm so glad. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so, I mean, I have a lightning round, but I feel like I just want to, like, chat, like, a bit more before we go into... Listen, I have time. Okay. So we're not trapped for time. Um, 
in terms of okay I do want to go back to one thing you said um you mentioned like PTSD Mm. from your childhood Mm. and I know you've talked about this before but growing up mixed race in Ireland do you feel now obviously we're kind of a a year later so to speak with the Black Lives Matter Mm -hmm. movement even though I I even hate saying that because it's, it's as if like racism started a year ago I know I know how do you feel now like a year on from like again I know it's not a year on from like yeah when racism no, started, you know yeah. but how are you feeling a year later basically is the question <laughs> yeah I think you know that was a very heavy time for anyone but especially people of color that mm-hmm. was like a way that I'd never felt before in terms of racism you know my life was kind of pretty much built with like a lot of microaggressions um physical at a young age um obviously emotional um abuse and stuff like that tied to racism because you know there'd be a lot of racial slurs while these things were happening um but you know I'll never compare America and Ireland like, like that because American racism like Irish racism I'm sorry does not compare to what happens in the states and just from what I personally know and what my family have been through um so for me I can never I'll never say that you know it's as it's as bad or whatever the case you know what I'm trying to say but yeah 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 of course I do I mean, think it's, it's really yeah. important to make people aware of how they speak and how they treat people um, especially when it comes to racism. And I think us being Irish, you know, we do tend to just kind of want to just take all the good and forget the bad. You know, we do like to sweep a lot of things under the rug and a lot of people don't want to be called a racist or that what they said is racist. So you you kind of feel like the loneliest person in the room, especially when you're a person of colour telling someone that what they say is racist. So I think the conversations are important and you know they need to continue and they need to be had and people need to be called out for things that they say or be educated on what they say also now it's not up to another person of color to to teach you how to treat us um that's not it that's not on us you know we should we should know better um as people how to treat people who are human um regardless of the color of their skin but especially since there's so much oppression tied to that it's really important for people in a privileged position and by privileged, I mean white privileged position to use that privilege um, and to try and make a change. But with that said, you know, you can only be hopeful that change does come. If I was to sit here and be sad about it all the time, it'd be a really depressing place. So I think it's really important to be optimistic and know that it's it's a long road ahead obviously it's not something that's just going to be cured overnight and because that's not that's something that's taught it's not something that's that you're born with so there's a lot to unravel and um, mm-hmm. there's a lot to digest and I think for me I had to learn how to be patient because I was nearly just expecting people to understand my pain which is totally not doable you know no one can understand someone else's pain but it's not unreasonable either like I think it's completely fair enough but I can understand I mean like obviously I don't know Mm -hmm. your experience but I do I I personally just don't understand why people can't just appreciate that that is how uh, it is and just respect that like I don't know what that's like so I'm gonna respect that 
and take your word that that's hurtful. I just never can understand. And I think that across the board with with most things. Yeah, they're very quick to, when they're made, feel uncomfortable. So when someone's made mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable, that's nearly seen as a threat when it's like, no, this is actually just how my life is. And it, it you'd be making it a lot easier if you didn't ask me 20 times a day, but how's that racist? Or, but why? Or, but this, or, but that. It's like, mm. just take it for face value, you know? Especially if it's coming to, coming to you from a person of colour that something is racist or, or something makes me feel uncomfortable. It should just, like, don't take it as a threat. Just take it as a tool that it can you can use to better your own perspective. Well, just be grateful. Yeah, be grateful that someone's actually taking the time to explain it to you because next time you mightn't be so lucky. Like someone will just be a lot less patient. Yeah, yeah. Like there's times now that I'm like, do you know what? I I don't have the time to do that today. I'm sorry. I know I did that in like all last year, but I'm sorry. I don't have time to keep doing it all the time and being on because it's not something that's just not exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. Mm, I don't blame you. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate everything. I mean, uh, honestly, I just was so amazed by you last summer. The fact that I now know that you were going through something so difficult as well. And having looked on like Ireland from London, knowing that like we couldn't be at any of the Black Lives Matter marches at home. It was just like the best feeling to see like I mean you really like rallied everyone together and I'm just like so amazed by you you. yeah it was kind of just I don't know just I didn't second guess anything because it wasn't something for me to second guess but I think anybody that was there will know what it felt like to be there you know you felt we felt like we were actually getting somewhere and Mm -hmm. people were actually listening so now a year later, it's like, okay, yes, there is people that, you know, have BLM in their, in their Twitter bio and stuff, but, you know, they they still challenge people of colour on what is and isn't racist and tell them what is and isn't racist. So it's counteractive, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but like, I always say, look, I like to focus on, if I was a teacher, would I focus on the kids that literally just want to go to school but don't want to learn? Or would I focus on the ones that are sitting there wanting to take in uh, what they're hearing so you know I I focus on those who are actually willing and ready to make a change and to listen to you know these experiences because sometimes it just takes for someone to know a person of color to for for some sort of change to happen and then it's kind of like a ripple effect I suppose um, yeah. so like they can take your experience and then you know maybe use it they're privileged then in a way that it can cause change for the next person so yeah, you just have to kind of keep looking at the positives because it's a very, it's a weighted um, conversation. And that's one that's I've been having like a lot. So it's one that you, you can only kind of be optimistic that things will get better because there's a lot of heaviness in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we just have to be hopeful. And it is just important to just keep like, if you do come across any incidents, it's very important to call them out. And it's very important to make the person who's on the receiving end, make them feel secure. Cause I can, I can't even count on one hand how many situations I've been in and people have done nothing. And then it just makes you feel like you're the problem when you're not. It's just that part of society is the problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I'm so grateful that you use your voice the way you do. I think you're just so amazing, honestly. <laughs> well, that's, well, thank you. Jeez, I can't take a compliment for shit. <laughs> thank you, though. Just receive um, it, girl. Receive you. it. <laughs> okay, will I crack us on to the lightning round? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so the first question is, your well f- firstly i just want to reiterate thank you for sharing all those uh crack on experiences you're just great oh, thank, you. So good. <laughs> um, thank you okay so question one is your idea of crack so is it a night out the night in my idea of crack i kind of have a different of kind of a few different cracks so like sometimes my idea of crack will just be having a couple of drinks in the house and watching like a thriller or something. But if I want to have the crack, I want to go have some pre-drinks and pig. um, And I want to go to a rap concert in the three arena or the Olympia or the Academy. Okay. Who, who's the first person you're like most excited to see live? (gasps) Oh my God. Why'd you ask me that? There's too many. Yeah, I know. Someone asked me that recently and I was like, this is like so stressful. <laughs> um, my last my last gig that I went to was Ariana Grande. Oh my God. I think Ariana Grande was my last gig as well. Yeah. That was my last like gig in the three arena, I think. Yeah. Like that I, I saw went her, to see. Yeah, I saw her at Pride. So it wasn't even a full gig, which is just like so upsetting. Oh my God. But She's look, we'll, she, she'll tour again, like she'll new well. Yeah. So many people I want to see. Oh my God, there's so many. Let me check my Spotify. Oh, I'd love to see, um, I'd love to see Cardi B live, but like for her own headliner, because the last time I saw her was that long. Did I see her at Longitude? No, I actually didn't see her at Longitude. I only saw the videos. Um, and then who I'd love to see live now would be Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Yes. Do a little joint headline tour, because I feel like that that could be coming soon. I'm pretty hopeful for like gigs this summer. Me too, absolutely. I think I'll come to your gig. I can't wait to see you live. Absolutely. I'd be offended if you didn't come. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, second question is a habit you can't crack. Habit I can't crack. Biting my nails. I know it's so gross, but it's just something I've done since I was a kid. Yeah. no matter how much nail polish I put on especially now because usually I have acrylics on so I'm not biting my nails because that's just nasty but now like oh my god I can see my fingertips again yeah oh, this is so yeah. funny I always get shellac to stop me from biting and yeah what I found I mean this is a stretch but because I have Invisalign at the moment that is what stops me from biting so if you want to get Invisalign <laughs> I might just have to get a bit of Invisalign yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two urgent ones down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's the only one that I can't crack. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's fine. I used to, like, when I was a kid, I used to say to my parents, I'm like, it's harder than quitting smoking because your fingers aren't cigarettes. Yeah. Which, like, I kind of stand by. Like, obviously, I'm such a that brat. Makes sense. But it's, I know, like, I know there's obviously different things to take into account. Yeah. But it's hard to give up biting your nails. It is, because they're just always there. And, like, obviously, me being an anxious person, I'm always chomping away at my nails because, you mm. know, that's just how I am. Yeah. Yeah, you can tell when, like, you've done something that's, like, out of your comfort zone, your nails are, yeah, like... Yeah, and all you're like, oh... Yeah, literally. Oh my God, that's so funny. I thought I was the only one. I'm with you. Okay, uh, the first time you cracked on. First time I cracked on. 
Well, obviously, like when you're younger, like you have those little pecks on the cheek with like your neighbors and stuff like that, like with the kids who live on the block or whatever. Mm. But I think the first time I cracked, oh my God, I think I was about 15, 16. Go on. I think I was 15. Yeah, I think I was that's 15. That's good. I think that's like, that's a good age. Because at the young. time, because <laughs> at the time, like I was literally like the only fridge that was left. <laughs> more people mean to you because you hadn't kissed someone yet well, I was like I just don't want to like leave me alone like stop trying to peer pressure me into kissing someone like I don't care mm-hmm. I know it's very much a thing that you just have to get over like like get it over with it's not like yeah I was like I'll do what I want to do I'm just not arsed right now I'm too busy <laughs> singing and playing basketball yeah, you literally like <laughs> literally I'm surprised you didn't have time until like after basketball was done and dusted like, I know like geez I could have I could have waited until I was 18 at least <laughs> yeah. okay uh oh a time you've cracked under pressure <gasps> a time I've cracked under these are really good you're really making me think good <laughs> a time I cracked under pressure Maybe like an early gig. Maybe from like a showcase gig. I think so. Because obviously things just started going wrong and I was like, okay, well, I'm obviously, this could either make or break me, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'd never let it break me. So but I've had my breaking points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of, where I'd step out of my little performance bubble that I'm in when I'm on stage and I'd kind of be myself for a quick second. And then I'd be like, oh shit check yourself get back into your little performance bubble does it feel like your performance bubble is like it's a protection around you yeah it's like a little shield mm-hmm. like you, I just kind of go into my own I would go I kind of go into this whole like different world kind of because I remember that's why I was like oh I'm gonna be a singer because I remember doing my first support slot gig and it was for Kid in City West and I remember doing the gig I sang three songs and I was just like oh my god I'm never not doing this it's crazy I like, like I felt so unapologetically myself because obviously I was in you know a predominantly white all-girl Catholic school on the north side and all I wanted to do was bloody fit in and I tried everything and nothing worked um like where I fit in was because I was good at sports and I was good at singing you know um and then I knew I couldn't fit in in other places um so I think when I started performing I was like okay this is my shit that is so great I think it's such a blessing in life if you have experienced something where you're like in the moment in the flow being like I'm where I'm supposed to be like when was your first moment oh as in like feeling like that yeah when I did stand up for the first time for sure um okay let me go to my next question something that always cracks you up That always cracks me up. I'm gonna go with my tortoise. Oh, I saw this on Instagram. Remind me his name. Biggie. Biggie. Yes. Incredible. Yeah, he actually. Yeah, he he makes me crack up all the time because I literally. I, that's why I get nothing done these days because I'm literally just like literally sitting there looking at him all day, and what's he gonna do next? Like he cracks me up when he eats. Oh my god, it's like that is my... ASMR. Say that again. 
It's like tortoise ASMR. What ASMR uh, or whatever you call it? What's ASMR? Why you know that just... ASMR where you like go really close to the to the mic and you talk like this and you go. It's to get to people's senses. Some people are really sensitive to sound, so they oh. listen to these videos called ASMR. Oh my god, you should do them. Oh, no. <laughs> You should like narrate the mic on my laptop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I love that. When did you get the tortoise? I got him, I've had him nearly a month now. Oh, honeymoon stage. Oh, like, no, I'm not suggesting that you will ever fall out of love with him. You won't. I don't think I will now because I literally wanted one forever since I was a kid. My final question has nothing to do with crack, but, um, it is a question I like to ask everyone because I'm obsessed with reality TV and it is, who is your favourite reality TV star? Oh my God. It's so hard. Oh my God. That I'll allow you to if you... Hardest. That has to be one of the hardest questions I think I've ever been asked. We're talking about like reality anxiety TV. Anxiety and everything. But like this is the hard stuff. <laughs> oh my God. Are we going for like toxicity vibes that makes reality TV or are we going for just the good person in reality TV? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe one of each. How about one of each? One of each. Okay, I'll have to go with... Oh my God. Probably an unpopular opinion. Teresa Giudice. Wow. Okay, this is interesting because... I am like obsessed with all the housewives and I never got up to speed with Jersey. Like I've watched it and so I've just started again and I'm slowly but surely understanding the Teresa obsession. Like this is so timely because... Oh my God. Like two weeks ago and I wouldn't have known. That's insane. Like that was the universe talking to the two of us. I know. Okay, so is she your your kind of toxic vibes? Or she your good person? She couldn't be your good person. She. I don't know. She's... <laughs> Listen, she's a mother, so I'm not gonna bash her. <laughs> I just, I um, it would just be very, it wouldn't be the same without her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that. she holds that show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, she... I thought that about Nini yeah, though, true. and Nini's gone now, and it's Nini's gone. It's, I know it's surviving, like, which is just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, like, I oh, could lovely. like. Um, okay who's your other person I might go one of the girls from Beverly Hills um I'm trying to think reality TV wise though I know there because I often just think of housewives yeah I know and you know what no I'm actually gonna go with Cardi B because I've been following Cardi B from the get-go from all her mixtapes to when she only has a couple of followers on Instagram like I kind of watched the evolution happen that's so, so fun when that happens. Yeah, and I remember she saying to my friend one day, he has like a bar out of back garden. Now this was like two, three years ago maybe. And I was like, watch out for this one, Cardi B. She's going to be huge. I'm listening to Gangsta Bitch volume number one, Gangsta Bitch music volume number one and two. She's going to be something special. <gasps> and then this I remember like- watching her love and hip hop and I was like, oh my God, this girl, Yeah. Is it um kind of bittersweet then when you know she's like so huge now? Are you like oh, I discovered her? 
yeah, I love to take credit for that, especially with my friends. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I told you so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel that way. It's not as cool, but I saw Ed Sheeran in 2014 in like Vicar Street and I was like, OMG. I started Ed Sheeran. (laughs) (laughs) I made him what he is today. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, that concludes my questions and you have just nailed it you are so great thank, thank you. you so much for doing this i've no, had so thank much you fun for having me. really appreciate it. that was so fun wow i just love her she was so fun all my guests have been so fun i mean i am just having a great time so i hope you all are too and i would just like to remind you to subscribe on apple Podcasts, or you can follow the podcast on spotify and keep giving it five stars thank you so much for tuning in to another great episode of crack on i will be back next week 